Let's open up with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you, Lord, that you are in this place. I pray, Father, that you would just continue to watch over the moments that we have together. We're here to lift you up. We're here to believe in you and to, to go to a place of intimacy with you. I pray that your spirit would be here in such a sweet way. Speak to our spirits. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I um, want to open up with a few verses here of that I think are important and it affects every area of our life when it comes to how we worship the Lord. Because I believe this, that most people know God's word, but they don't live it out. They have a knowledge of who he is, but they don't have an understanding of who they are in Christ. You know, we are much more than what the, the world tells us. Um, I, don't, <clears throat> I, don't, I don't fault people for that. It's just that we don't talk about it uh, much in, in church, about who we really are. You know, we, we live in a time where we don't want to offend anyone because if you offend anyone, you are automatically are a racist. And I will, you, just you guys, I'm good. I'm good because, you know, you know how that works, you know. <laughs> you know, it's always a certain color that's racist and no one else is. And we don't want to offend people. We don't want to, to uh, hurt people's feelings and we don't want to uh, go against the flow. But we are different as Christians. And so... You're going to, under, as I get through this, you'll understand why I'm talking about this because this really is leading into our time in worship this morning. But the Bible says in 2 Timothy um, verse, chapter 1, verse 14, it says, Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. It says, guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Paul is writing this to Timothy, and he was wanting him to know that there is someone who lives inside of you, that, there, that you have been given a deposit, you've been given something that, that marks you as God's, and we know that in Ephesians, Paul tells us it's the Holy Spirit who is a deposit, a guarantee of what is to come. When we believe, according to first or Second Timothy, when we believe in God, when we believe in the Son, Jesus Christ, we have been given the Holy Spirit and He lives in us. The Holy Spirit lives in us. Now, when we take that for a moment, we think about it, you know, that's great. But what does it really mean? Because we go to, we live our lives every day and we don't really understand the weight and the magnitude of what the Bible is telling us, that the God of creation, His Spirit lives in us. The God who produced and declared and decreed and made things happen from nothing and, and, and caused everything to reveal itself for us this beautiful place that we live in, all of the details that He has, has done for us, all of those things, His Spirit lives in us. The same Spirit that rose Christ from the dead, the same Spirit that, that would not be defeated by death, lives in us. And yet, think about for a second who we are. We're frail, we're fragile. I almost broke my ankle this morning walking here. I tripped on a little crack in our, at our house and 
went almost went down my knee was throbbing and and you know and some people say it was just you know a little fall I say it's because I'm almost 50 um but you know things just start to break down things start to you know you just don't recover as well as you used to and we don't feel as good as we used to we don't move as good as we used to I was just talking to my mother-in-law this weekend she says you know she's you know getting close to 70 plus I won't mention her name or age but uh she's like you know I still feel like I'm 30 years old but my body tells me different I mean it's that mindset because our mind is always going but yet we start to break down and because of this tendency to know what reality feels like we're slower we're not as quick you know and we kind of forget that the Holy Spirit still lives in us that he is not limited to your frail body your strength, your energy. He's not limited to your resources. It is His Spirit that lives in us. Paul tells us, guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. And Paul mentions in Ephesians that that gift is the Holy Spirit. Well, why am I talking about that? Well, if you turn with me to the book of Acts, I want to just look at a portion of Scripture here before we... Yes. Second Timothy... Chapter 1, verse 14. Yep. And I want to look at Acts chapter 1. And verse 4, it says this. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Jesus, do not, Jesus is telling his disciples, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, there is a lot of teaching about what this means. And, and I was listening to a scholar a couple weeks ago, a scholar that I really enjoy listening to. I think he's got some great insights. And, uh, but he was talking about this, and, and it's funny because whenever we handle the Word of God, we let our biases show um, what we really are it's you know because listen we we belong to the assemblies of god i enjoy being a part of the assemblies of god uh, but but i'm not going to defend the assemblies of god before i defend the word of god and that's what's the most important thing is god's word and sometimes you know you'll we used to meet as uh, pastors here in town and we would have bible studies and and everyone was oh yeah we love god's word we love god's word including me love god's word but when it came to certain scriptures, our traditions started coming out. And I never try to approach the Word of God by my traditions or by my beliefs or by what I, other people tell me to believe. I really want God's Word to be on its own. And so <clears throat> when it comes to this portion of scripture, a lot of people have a lot of different views about what this really means because some people say that this scripture is simply telling us that when we, get, um, when we get saved, we are baptized in the Holy Spirit. And the speaking in tongues thing was just something that happened once in order for God to show that He was starting the church. Okay, but there are some issues that you're going to have when you start reading through Scripture. Because if you notice in chapter 10, Peter goes to Cornelius, and Cornelius is not a part of the club. He's not a part of the, the, the people that knew about this. And, and so Cornelius is this righteous guy. He sees his angel, goes have Peter come to him. And Peter comes. And, and while Peter is preaching, 
Cornelius wants God so bad that inside of him, he recognizes that Jesus Christ is Lord. All of a sudden, he starts speaking in tongues. And, and you say, well, how is that possible? Well, because he looked up on YouTube what happened at Pentecost, right? No, it's, it was God just overwhelming him. I believe this, that when Cornelius got saved at some point in the Peter's message, the Bible's true that the deposit is there. The, the Holy Spirit lives in him. Why? Because he's a believer. And that's what Paul says in Ephesians 1. And it says that when you believed, the Holy Spirit was a deposit. He was deposited. When you believed. So Paul, later on in chapter 19, in Acts, Paul tells the people, hey, have you heard about the Holy Spirit? We haven't. Well, who have you been baptized by? John's baptism. Well, that was a baptism of repentance. You need the Holy Spirit. And he prays for them, and they begin to speak in other tongues. So all throughout Acts, it continues this ideal of speaking in tongues. And then in, when Paul is trying to teach the church in Corinthians, he tells them, I wish all of you would speak in tongues. I'm glad that I speak in tongues more than all of you because it was important to Paul. So Paul is telling them something about speaking in tongues. And people may just say, well, wait a minute, Pastor. You know, we live in Minnesota. The only, the only tongues we can say is on Sundays when we say skull, right? That's the only tongues that we can say. We're in Minnesota. We, we, don't, we don't go around saying that we speak in tongues. Well, this is what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is talking about. And Paul, like I said, he started off, as I started off in 2 Timothy, tells us that when we believe that, that he deposits the Holy Spirit, he lives in us. And I believe that the work of Christ is consistent. So that when, when you got saved, whenever you got saved, the same process happened to you as when the people back in Acts chapter 2 got saved. Because Peter's going to go out and preach. I believe that same process happens. They receive Jesus Christ as Lord. They acknowledge him as Lord. The Holy Spirit fills them. There is this guarantee, this deposit inside of them. But what about the tongues part? Well, if you look at the book of Acts, what does Jesus say? He says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait till the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days I will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Who is Jesus talking to? He's talking to believers. He's not talking to just a special group of people that did not recognize him as Lord. No, they recognize him as Lord. Why? Because the Bible tells us in the book of John, in chapter 7, Jesus is saying that, you know, that he will ascend into heaven and all this. And it says that Jesus said this because the Holy Spirit had not yet been given. Because Jesus had not yet been glorified. You got you to continue the whole verse. Because it says that, that the Holy Spirit has not been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. And then in John chapter 20, John comes back to this. Because Jesus is telling his disciples, his believers, receive the Holy Spirit. Because he was glorified. He rose from the dead. You see, John is letting us know that when, when the people, <clears throat> when his disciples were following him, the Holy Spirit hadn't yet come. 
And the only way the disciples knew that Jesus was Lord because the Father revealed it to them and Jesus was speaking to them. But when, they, when Jesus was rose from the dead and when he was resurrected from the dead, the, the veil torn and now God's presence did not no longer dwell in a temple, but it filled people's hearts who believed in Jesus. And when they believed in Jesus, they were filled with his Holy Spirit. And that's why Jesus confirmed it to his disciples, receive the Holy Spirit. It's literally translated receive spirit, meaning the time for the spirit is now. So Jesus tells his disciples, this is the time for the spirit. They are believers. And now Jesus is telling them, you go and you wait in Jerusalem. Wait until my father gives you the gift. What is he talking about? He's talking about a baptism. What does this baptism look like? Well, first he says this in in, uh, chapter 1, verse 8. But when you receive the power, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, meaning that you will have the ability to die for me. Because it means martyrs. That word witnesses means martyrs. That Jesus is saying that when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will have the power of the Spirit to lay down your life for me. Why do we lay down our lives? Why do we give up our life for Jesus? We've never seen him. We've never touched him. Many of us have never been on the road to Damascus, and so we've never had this great revelation, this bright, shiny Jesus. I mean, we complain when we got people driving with their brights on, and yet Paul sees his glorious things, can't see for three days. He knows it's Jesus. Well, why do we lay down our life? Because the Holy Spirit lives in us. He confirms the truth. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And when the Holy Spirit lives in us, he confirms that he is the way, he is the truth, he is the life, and we are willing to give up everything for him. That's why it's so important to know that we are witnesses today. But Jesus is talking about power. Power. When you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Power. This is what I'm trying to get at this morning is that as Christians, every single one of us that recognize Jesus Christ as Lord has the Holy Spirit inside of us. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. But just because the Spirit lives in us does not necessarily mean we are walking in power. He's powerful. He's mighty. He's glorious. But how do we walk? How do we perceive ourselves? And this is why the baptism of the Holy Spirit Paul says, I wish all of you would speak in tongues. Because he knew something. He knew that there was power when you engaged in the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, you will receive power. And so, chapter 2, Acts, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues or other languages as the Spirit enabled them. Now we know that this was literally languages because people outside who are gathering from all over the world heard their native language. And they are saying they are praising God. They are declaring the wonders of God in my tongue. Who are these people? They have to be drunk. I don't understand where you get that, you know. (laughs) I've seen people drunk. 
They talk in tongues, but it's not a language. <laughs> it's not a language. These people were talking in tongues. Why? Because the Spirit came upon them. What were they doing? They were sitting there. They were literally, the Bible says in, in the previous chapter, they all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women, Mary and the mother of Jesus and his brothers. They were gathered together praying, seeking God. Where's this gift? Where's this power? Jesus, you promised that the Holy Spirit will come upon us. You will baptize us with the Spirit. Where are you, Father? Where's the gift that you promised me? And they're waiting. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit begins to flow in this house while they were sitting. Did you know that you guys are in the perfect position for revival right now? Sitting. You know, I always think of revival, oh, laying down or, you know, jumping up and down. These people were just sitting. They were sitting. And it says this, they seem what to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Now this is where people get kind of, whoa, wait a minute. This can't happen. Because I don't know how many of you are filled with the Holy Spirit this morning, baptized with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. But I'm pretty sure that when you got baptized in the Holy Spirit, there probably wasn't tongues of fire that came down upon you. Matter of fact, my daughter, one of my daughters was praying at home all by herself playing the piano and she just began to speak in tongues just as she was praying and playing. And as we were, because we weren't at the home, she was by herself and we were walking towards the house. I did not see our roof rip off and fire come down from heaven. I probably would have called 911. But I didn't see that. And you probably didn't see that. Now some people say that they feel warmth and they feel stuff like that and there's different sensations that we may feel. And those things are just personal and subjective to each person. But what about these tongues of fire that came down? Those tongues of fire, those, that was a sign that God gave to show the people, this is where my presence dwells. This is my temple. You see, because when they built the tabernacle, the tent that would house the ark of God, the presence of God, guess what happened when they dedicated it? Fire came down from heaven. When they built the first temple, when Solomon dedicated the first temple, guess what happened? Fire came down from heaven. When they rebuilt the second temple, no fire from heaven. Because why? The temple was already declared the place where God dwelled. And then, when the baptism of the Holy Spirit happened, fire came down from heaven once again. And God is telling us, this is where my presence dwells. This is where my spirit dwells in you. And it was a visual sign for us because it's not repeated when, when Paul or when Peter baptized Cornelius in the Spirit or when Cornelius got baptized in the Holy Spirit, a Gentile Roman, there was no fire from heaven. When Paul baptized the people in Acts chapter 19, there was no fire from heaven. So it wasn't repeated. It was only repeated once. It was only done once, not repeated and that was just so that the, we would understand that this is where God's presence dwells. I want you to understand this, that when Jesus died on the cross and he rose from the dead, when he died on the cross, that veil was ripped from top to bottom. The veil that separated the presence of God from people, it was ripped. 
God himself declared, I no longer dwell in the temple, but we know according to scripture that we are the temple, that the body of Christ is the temple and Christ dwells here with us. So they began to speak in other tongues and people recognized this. And so what do you do with it? Well, Peter goes up and he says in verse 14, chapter 2, that Peter stood up with the 11 and raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all who lived in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. Now this is what the prophet Joel spoke about. In the last days, God said, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and the signs of the earth below, blood and fire and billow of smoke. The sun will turn to darkness, the moon to blood, before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Peter then goes on to explain how they crucified the Lord. And then he gives an altar call and 3,000 people get saved. This has got to be one of the worst sermons ever. There's no funny jokes in here. There's no three-point illustration. And Peter does the one thing you're not supposed to do in church. He offends them all. He says, you guys crucified him. You guys denied him. But what happened? People got saved. And I want to I want to lay the argument down. The reason why people got saved was because of the power of the Holy Spirit that was flowing through Peter. It wasn't Peter. It wasn't his words. It was that Peter knew what Jesus said was true. That when I received the gift that the Father has promised, that power would come upon me and I will be a witness and I will declare to Jerusalem that Jesus is Lord. And because of that, power went from Peter and touched people's hearts. Peter was talking, but inside of every one of those 3,000 people that got saved, God was speaking to them, saying, He's telling you the truth. Jesus is my Son. He's the one who will give you forgiveness. Recognize him as Lord and I'll save you. And it happened. Why? Because Peter believed this, that the Spirit of God lived in him. The same Spirit that was upon Jesus. When Jesus goes down to be baptized, he wasn't going down to be baptized because he needed to forgiveness of sin. He was going to be baptized to let people know this is the way this is going to happen. And when he was baptized, what happened? The Spirit of God came down from heaven and came upon him. Now, why am I saying all of this? Some of you are thinking, man, is this your sermon? No, it's not my sermon. This is just the introduction to Sunday. It's an introduction to our time of worship and time of song. Because I want us to know that we are people of the Spirit of God. We are children of the Son of God. We are God's children, and His Spirit lives in us. And I don't want us to walk around as people who are fooled to believing that we are weaker than who we are. We are the people of God. We are the children of God and His Spirit that rose Christ from the dead. The power of God that is able to come upon us when we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit lives in us. 
And because of that, we can declare to our neighbors, to our friends, to our students, to our co-workers, Jesus is Lord. You don't have to say the right words. You don't, have to, you don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to know how to lead someone to Christ with the ABC technique. All you have to do is declare that Jesus is Lord. Because I believe this, that our world is more afraid of the Holy Spirit than they will tell you. Our world is afraid of the Holy Spirit. Our enemy is afraid of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because it's the Holy Spirit that tells people they're lost. It tells people they're blind. Why do you believe in Jesus? Not because someone convinced you. Not because some pastor tricked you. It's because you know it as truth. I've, I read books. I listen to people who deny that there's even a God. And inside of my spirit, I know they are talking foolishness. Why? Because he's real. He's in me. And this is the power that we have. And, and I want us to worship today knowing that his spirit lives in us. His spirit that brings healing and forgiveness and washes us and cleanses us and rejuvenates us and strengthens us. His spirit that lives in us. We don't have to walk around defeated. We don't have to walk around with our heads down. We can just walk in the spirit of God. And that's the way I, I, I choose to battle this life. That's the way I choose to walk because I don't walk seeing myself as a pastor of a small church in the middle of Minnesota and close to Iowa. Man, poor Iowa. We should pray for Iowa. They got destroyed by Ohio State. I'm sorry. I was watching football yesterday. I, I, I'm not just some little town preacher. I'm a child of God and I have been called by God for a purpose. And I believe this, that we are going to see great revival in this town. But it's not going to be because we have good business techniques. It's not going to be because we get the right people on staff and get the right location and get the right building. It's going to be because the Spirit of God is here and people will recognize that Jesus is Lord. We need to be people of the Spirit once again. So as we are worshiping today, as we are worshiping today, I just encourage you, if you're here, you say, you know what, Pastor? I never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I never was able to speak in tongues. I don't, I don't, I don't know about that. Listen to me. I'm not comp I don't believe that you need to complicate this. It's a very simple thing. It's a promise, and it's a gift that your Father has promised you. He's given it. He'll give it to you. And all you have to do is just believe. It's going to take some faith where you open your mouth and you feel and you say what, what the Holy Spirit is doing. And you know why I love praying in tongues? Because it is a perfect prayer to the Lord that He hears. He hears. And, and whenever I get, whenever I go through hardship, I pray in tongues. Whenever I feel trouble, I pray in tongues. Why? Because it edifies you. The Bible says, you know, because in a church situation, if we pray in tongues, Paul says no one gets edified. What does edified mean? To build you up. He says, because when you pray in tongues, you edify yourself, but you don't edify the church. That's why in church, you know, we don't just have people just praying in tongues all the time. But in my personal life, I'm going to build myself up. When I feel weak, I'm going to build myself up, and I pray in tongues. Sometimes I just, I just pray in tongues. Why? Because it is so powerful. It's the power of the Spirit of God in us, and it just builds up. And, and, and I'll tell you, when I walk out of my prayer closet, I feel confident, I feel strong, and it's not because of me. It's because I know that He lives in me. 
and he's going to use me. So we need to be people of the Spirit. And so if you say, hey, I, I never received it, just ask him. Ask him, and he will give it to you. And believe that what is happening inside of you is from him, and just let it go. You don't need anyone to lay hands on you. You don't need anyone to, 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 to walk you through certain techniques. I remember when I was a little kid, we had this guy. He would come up to you and say, so you want to speak in tongues? Okay, here you go. Just repeat after me. Abba, 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 Abba. And I'm like, Abba, Abba, Abba. And then just keep going with it. Keep going. I said, what? Get out of here. And I went to my little prayer closet in front of my Catholic crucifix. And I said, Jesus, I want this baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I began to speak in tongues. You see, God wants to give it to you. So if you're here during prayer time or during worship time, if you want the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, just ask him. And I guarantee you, your prayer life will never be the same. But don't get condemned if you think, oh, it didn't ever happen and all this. Don't worry about that. You just keep trying. Have a good heart about it. God will give it to you. But let's be people of the Spirit. Let's, would you stand this morning?